in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. These brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Destin Melbarnes, Nathan Lutz, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. Welcome to the show where we watch movies and then talk about them. I'm your host, Russell Guest, and joining me today is my good friend and co-host, Chad Robinson. How you doing, sir? I was thwarted from joining you in person. The rain from, what is this, Ida? is keeping me away but uh hopefully we'll be back together in person here soon yes and also joining us today second time on the show you'll you'll recognize his voice from the golden eye episode so here to help us be more english mr andrew morell how you doing sir great thank you very much um good to be back on the show i'm looking forward to this one yes and just as you brought the credibility of having a real british uh, real the real British blood for for the uh, for our first James Bond episode. We're gonna have to have that again here for Robin Hood today. So, but uh, before we get going, I gotta ask you: British actors are often selected to play villains. Who's your favorite British villain? Just because of this particular movie selection, I, I have gone with Alan Rickman. He also plays uh, Hans Gruber in Die Hard. He plays a great role there, and of course Professor Snape in harry potter and uh in this movie the uh the ultimate villain the sheriff of nottingham it's a great choice you can't go wrong with him at all and i miss him and i wish he were in more roles and still alive to be a bad guy more so uh for sure uh chad what about you do you have a favorite british bad guy I went with christopher lee he's great in all the hammer films he takes over the role of dracula Count Dooku, not so much for the prequels, but Christopher Lee's great in everything he shows up in, and especially Francisco Scaramanga. The man with the golden gun. I like that choice. And I've gushed about him on the show before, but I, I, I'm a Tim Curry fan. I think he's a great bad guy, whether it be in The Three Musketeers or Rocky Horror Picture Show, which we've covered both of those. Uh, even Muppet Treasure Island or Congo when it goes more campy. <laughs> I'm... I love Tim Curry, so. He's the only good part of Legend. <laughs> oh, he's awesome in that. Yeah, yeah, we've covered that one too. Yeah, Tim Curry is one of the show's favorites. Andrew, what's the last movie you saw? My wife and I, we have a bit of a movie night uh, that we do on nice evenings here. We we set up a projector out um, uh, in our in our back garden and, and, and put a sheet up against our shed and, and have a pretty nice setup. We watched last weekend a, a Netflix horror movie called Aftermath. Honestly, it wasn't anything crazy or, or great to write home about. It was about um, uh, somebody who bought a house and there was a guy living in, in the basement walls and in the floors and you know terrorizing them. So we've all seen those kind of movies before. It's, it's a Netflix special. Very good. Okay, okay. Chad, you've seen every horror movie known to mankind. Have you seen this one? <laughs> I haven't. No, I thought he was going to say The Old Ways. We just covered that in the last one. Uh, that's out on Netflix. Check that one out. But no, I 
to answer your question here, because I could not allow it to be the Paw Patrol movie. That's what we saw with my daughter. It was her first theater experience on Saturday. I got to get my mirror. And I saw Candyman, 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 Candyman. And I may not be around for the rest of our podcast now. It's the new one, I take it, right? Yes. How'd it go? Yes. Uh, it's different. Uh, we'll, we'll just say that it's a bit too on the nose for me. And they, they kind of make Candyman into a sympathetic anti-hero. So I... It's. You sound unhappy. It's, I I love Tony Todd, and he's not really in the new one, so it, it's a different take on it. Well, I did not watch a horror movie. I watched a comedy movie, which is the opposite of what you <laughs> two guys watched. I had, I happened to rewatch Jim Carrey's Yes Man from two thousand eight. So. Oh, great movie. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I like that one. So today we're doing Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves from nineteen ninety one. I think. For the people on this podcast, this is the Robin Hood we grew up with. So this stars Kevin Costner, Morgan Freeman, Christian Slater, Alan Rickman, and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Uh, Mastrantonio. You grew up with a different Robin Hood than I did. Mine was furry-inspired. Does that mean Sean Connery's beard? I don't know what that means. Disney? No, that means he was a fox. So... Oh, the Disney one. Yes, yes. Yep. Yes. Okay, good call. Robin Hood and Prince of Thieves grosses a lot of money. It grosses $165.4 million. It places at number two in the box office that year, and it places just behind Terminator 2 Judgment Day, so it made a ton of money. It placed ahead of Beauty and the Beast, which we've covered on episode 106, and there are a lot of years where this could have even been the highest-grossing movie. So IMDb gives Prince of Thieves a 6.9. Surprisingly low, I thought, because I have a... A lot of nostalgia for it. But then I saw the critics uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, 52%, not not loving this movie as much. The audience score is a little more kind and gives it a 72%. It gets an Academy Award nomination for Brian Adams' uh, song, uh, which you know was everywhere. And uh, Prince of Thieves was also nominated for two Golden Raspberry Awards. And the Razzies there, uh, Kevin Costner won Worst Actor for his performance of Robin Hood and Christian Slater received a nomination for worst supporting actor. So not the hardware you want to have. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, we'll, we'll go into that a little later. I, I do have some opinions on some of that too. Andrew, tell us what is your background with this movie? When, when, when did you first see it? How was aging coming back to it today? As you know, I am from England and I'm actually born in Nottingham which is where this movie is set. My upbringing is in and around Sherwood and Sherwood Forest. Still today, there is the oldest oak in Sherwood Forest, which is a popular tourist attraction. And uh, legend has it, that is where Robin Hood and his merry men lived. A lot of our logos in Nottingham, whether it's a transportation system, they all have the logo of the Robin Hood, a man in a hood, pulling back a bow. It is, it is very much ingrained in, um, in my upbringing. So funnily though, my, my first memory of it was actually at my grandparents' house. I was relatively young. It would have been on TV in England. So typically that would be a year or two after the release. So I would have been approximately seven or eight years old. There was a lot of backlash on this movie for being tough as a kid. 
Did you enjoy it? Was it too much for you? As a kid, uh, obviously there were parts uh, that I didn't understand. Um, and as you get older, you, you appreciate certain things more as you, as you get older. An example would be, you know, Morgan Freeman mentioning Allah, like who is Allah? As a, as a child, you wouldn't recall or wouldn't even know who that is. So, you know, there are parts of it that you don't understand. And yeah, you know, there are some parts which are a little, go- a little, a little gory, you know, you have sword fights and, and, and bleeding and things like that. But, you know, I, I don't think that bothered me. I, and I don't think it bothered my, my grandparents or my parents that I was watching it. Um, like I said, it, it, it's part of my history. Yeah. And I think I, maybe I'm wrong. I feel like American parents are more protective and uptight of what their children watch. Is that still true? Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. I mean, I remember as a kid um, watching Chucky, um, you know, with, <laughs> with, with, with my grandparents, um, you know, and having a, having a thimble of whiskey uh, to go to bed. That, that's, that's who we are a little bit as, as English people. We're a little bit more relaxed um, when it comes to these kind of things. Well, well, actually, before we go to Chad, what was your reaction coming back to it today? Studying it, looking at it with adult eyes, does it, is this something you enjoy today? I love to play in the dirt. Um, I, I, I loved it as a kid, and I, I genuinely think it does hold up as, as it is today. It would be uh, good to see how, um, I, I think because it's recreating history, it's, it's not trying to create modern day. It, it tells a story. Um, it, and because our interpretation of history is about um, what, we, what we see and what we read, I think this movie really helps us understand the legend that is Robin Hood. And, and because of that, uh, anybody new to watching this movie will be able to learn from it, will be able to learn about the history, re- learn about the plot. And so, yeah, I do think it, it holds up today. And there have been many variations, you know, mentioned the cartoon Disney version, you've got the Russell Crowe version. Um, but in my personal opinion, this version tells the story uh, most clearly and in the most fun way. Yeah. Now, Chad, from one side of the spectrum to the other, this is one that your parents might have kept you from seeing when it came out. Had you seen this movie at all before? No, I had not. This was my first time. What's it like coming into it? First eyes, fresh eyes. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We we keep mentioning this is the one we grew up with, or it's the best one. I I will push back on that and say it's men and Di- men in tights, and it's not even close. Oh, that, that's a fun time. Yes, <laughs> like this may be more historically accurate, but yeah, men in tights is that's my Robin Hood. Um, yeah, it it was interesting. I I'll get into more of it later, but. This this had the problems of Indiana Jones on steroids. Like there there was a bit of who is this for? And I just criticized Indiana Jones and Russell's Russell's angry with me. But there's a lot of Indiana Jones where it's like this is a children's movie. You you probably shouldn't be melting people's faces. Mm, no, you should melt people's faces. It, it's well, I I agree. Well, have a thimble of whiskey and relax. That's what well, I say. Well, that that is the thimble of whiskey. Indiana Jones gets away with it a little bit. Well, actually, it, it changed the ratings altogether as we know it. <laughs> this one, uh, this one, I just I kept going. Who is this for? Who is this oh, aimed at? Maybe it me. was aimed at English children. 
it was aimed at me too, man. I, I, I got this one as soon as it came out to the video store. I remember seeing the cover of that one and being like, that looks cool. And my parents got it for me. And you know what? I was taken to see Batman 89 in the theater, and this is no more challenging for kids than Batman 89. I mean, you got people getting fried and the Joker's killing people in that too. And this is, uh, this is on par with that. So I wasn't too scared. In fact, I got this a little bit later. I think I would have been about six when this one hit the video store. And I loved it. I went around with the suction cup bow and arrow. I think I had like a Cowboys and you know Native American Indian uh, bow and arrow, which I did not dig or use much before that. But after this came out, it became a fixture of my uh, fictional toy arsenal. And I had the action figure for, for Robin Hood. So I was all into this one. And... Somehow when the Russell Crowe one came out years later, I had this one too close to my heart that I couldn't accept it. Ridley Scott, Russell Crowe, Kate Blanchett, there was a lot of there was a lot of things that said you should like this, but to me this is this is my Robin Hood. Just like 89 Batman is my Batman. It hit me at that part of my life and it's coming back to it today. I'm having a hard time fully seeing the full criticisms for where this movie goes so bad for people and I just have a ton of fun with it. There's a there's a thrill ride component to it that it's not straight up historical drama and it's not going for accuracy, but it's fun. It's a lot of fun. So I, you ask who it's for, I think it's for people who like fun and don't like things that aren't fun. <laughs> well, you, your issue with Russell Crowe's movie is because it wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have the same feeling it was it had all of the special effects and the cinematography but um it just fell short in the story it, it was it wasn't great yeah I, I don't think it's ridley scott's got an up and down catalog and his achievements are amazing and his uh, his shortcomings are well quite short so and, <laughs> head scratching yeah. yeah and that would that would be one of them for me. but there will be spoilers that lied. we're gonna go ahead and spoil the heck out of robin hood prince of thieves for you so if you haven't seen it like chad had before he paused this podcast he went and watched the movie and then he's going to join us for the rest of it welcome to the flashback flicks retro movie podcast i'm ricky i'm grayson and every week we review a movie from the past and reflect on things we missed things we loved and things we want to see again yeah, because we believe any movie worth watching is worth watching again. So if you like films, friendship, and a lot of callbacks, I mean, just so many callbacks, then subscribe on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever RSS feeds go for like-minded, movie-loving individuals like you. What happens when two modern film fans go back and rewatch all the old classic films from yesteryear to see if they hold up? You get the Classic Film Jerks podcast. Find the Classic Film Jerks podcast on all the major platforms. All right, we're back, and this is your final warning. If you haven't seen 1991's Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, this is your final warning. There are spoilers that lie ahead. Now, Chad, for those who haven't seen it since 1991, do you want to tell people what is it all about? An Englishman with an American accent is captured at the end of the Third Crusade. <laughs> his name is Robin of Loxley, and he spent five years in a Jerusalem prison. In his absence, the delightfully cruel Sheriff of Nottingham has taken over Robin's old lands. Robin escapes prison and saves the life of a Moor named Azim, who goes all Chewbacca on Robin and swears a life debt. They return to England, where Robin finds out not all as it was when he left. He attempts to tell his love interest Marion that she's in grave danger, but she refuses his advances. 
Robin and Azim flee to a forest where they befriend a group of outlaws and form a raiding gang to deprive the sheriff of his taxes. Among the famous outlaws are Little John and Friar Tuck, as well as the ever-brooding Will Scarlet. The sheriff finally figures out that wood burns and sets fire to the forest to smoke Robin and his men out. Most of the men are captured and Robin must rescue them. Marion is also captured and scheduled to be wed to the sheriff so he can usurp the throne, but not before needlessly backstabbing his cousin. Robin, along with a few remaining men, manages to not only rescue his captured band of outlaws, but also break up the wedding. Azim saves Robin's life just as he's about to be stricken down by the sheriff's witchy friend, repaying Azim's debt. A new wedding takes place between Robin and Marion, and the king unhelpfully shows up about two days late, interrupts the wedding for a second, and then we move on to our happy ending. All right. Now, Andrew, this is a big, long movie. I mean, this is over yeah. two and a half hours long. Yes. It, it covers a lot of ground, and there's a lot of characters in it. Do you like the story? I do. This version really covers the plot. You know, I, I liked the, the plot summary there. That was, that was uh, really enjoyable to listen to and, and some very good points that come out of it. You know, there's, there's a little bit of sarcasm there and I get it, but that's what, make the, that's what makes the movie fun to watch. You know, history, you know, can be boring. Right. I mean, um, we go oh. to school and some of us do not like to go to to history classes. <laughs> uh, myself, myself being, you know, one of those, um, so, those people, <laughs> you know, so um, I should point out, look, Chad, what is your master's degree in? Yes. History. OK, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry, Continue. I did not, I did not know. That. No, I, I, I loved it. I was, I was like, yes, dig deeper. Go <laughs> Get tunnel deeper. Okay, so um, history is awesome, and this is a great way of presenting that. Um, but no, seriously, um, it, it is a fun way for, um, for people to learn. You know, it was interesting hearing your synopsis about what, what you thought about this movie and, and what, you know, who it was for. You know, and yes, I think populations between um, British populations and American populations, maybe they have different understanding of what is appropriate and what is not. I understand that. But ultimately, if, if you can put this on for someone who I was at, what, seven or eight years old, um, I learn about a few things. I, I learn about good. I learn about bad and, and right and wrong, as well as where I'm from and, and a little bit of history there. And, and so because of that, I think this movie makes learning fun. And so, so for that reason, I, I, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a great plot and a great way of present, presenting that plot. Yeah, I think that there's a... I, I was thinking of other movies that give me this run, and it's interesting you pull up Indiana Jones, Pirates of the Caribbean is another one where there is... This isn't like Braveheart where it's like all serious. And by the way, that movie's not that historically accurate either. But um, <laughs> No kidding. Yeah. So, but I mean, there is a high entertainment value here and I, I'm having a lot of fun with it and there is a lightheartedness to it. Chad, I'm detecting from you that you want to go either more serious or more funny and that it's getting stuck in a middle ground for you. Am I picking up on that from you? Yeah. And I'm sarcastic about all of our reviews, so that's not necessarily indicative of you know, my, my personal feelings on this, I just like pointing out some things that don't make sense or funny. But yeah, yeah, to me, 
I remember sitting in theaters and the trailer came on for Pirates of the Caribbean and looking over to our friends because we were in high school, maybe early college, thinking, that's going to scare the crap out of some children. This this movie starts with people being tortured in a prison and not just like casual off screen. You hear people screaming. No, <laughs> like straight up people writhing in agony. I'm thinking, okay, that's that's an interesting way to start here. I think because... I don't think the Crusades were a fun time, by the way. No, no, although there's... Someone should make a musical. It, it wasn't like a trip to the bank where they hand you a sucker when you leave. It, it, it was... It was. Uh, it didn't go well for the, the yeah. invaders. You could make it fun, but Alan Rickman's character, the Sheriff of Nottingham, was very funny, and he had comedians write lines for him and do all this ad-libbing he was very very funny and then it's juxtaposed with things that just aren't (laughs) so i yeah i was in a weird space where i would have liked them leaning in and being a bit more silly but i think that's also colored by the fact hey i came in my first robin hood was disney and my second one was men in tights which came out two years after this movie well, see, that's the other thing. That movie, I, which I love and enjoy, is so heavily referential to this yes. movie. Yeah, I, I wound up thinking, you know, I don't understand the criticism Carrie Ellis made about, uh, oh, well, in this one, I have an English accent. <laughs> Unlike some Robin Hoods, I yes. have an English accent. I did not get that line at all growing up. I was like, okay, well, I, I can't remember what the fox sounds like. It's been a while. But yeah, as far as the plot, I mean, we had great characters. I loved Mordiana. She was a cool character to add in. Yikes. Scary lady. Azim was a cool addition that you just don't see in other versions of Robin Hood. Yeah, he's he's in a British TV show or like based off of Nasir, but I didn't watch the British TV show. Yeah. Now, Andrew... Chad brings up a good point. We had a lot of good side characters, but we have some amazing set of villains here. I mean, you mentioned that Alan Rickman's one of your favorites uh, as a, as a as a British villain. I mean, what is it he's doing here that just stands out for you? That's like I love this. You know, I mean, he's evil. Um, he he just he'll walk over anyone, and and as I mentioned, he he stabbed his his cousin for for no apparent reason. Well, other than the fact that he failed. In, in the success of hunting down Robin Hood and, and they lost men. And, and it wasn't the first time that um, he had failed in front of Robin Hood. If you remember when they first landed in England and they had that fight between characters, that he failed the first time. So yeah, Alan Rickman was, as the Sheriff of Nottingham said, enough is enough and, and, and stabbed him. So that's just one example. And I agree with the Mortina or Motiana, the, the witch there, you know, he, he confided in her. He was like, what should I do? How do I, how do I handle this? He, he showed some weakness there as well and, and confided in, in Mortiana to, to get direction. What, what are we going to do? So, so I, I like it. I think it has, a, it has a bit of both. He has a bit of control and a bit of weakness. And, and, and because of that, it, it comes across as, as good acting, in my opinion. He just dials it up to, like, you know, there's like a 
simmering mad and there's like a I'm in charge and I'm not going to tolerate that kind of mad but like he dials it up he goes cartoon and I love it and um, this is a lot like I mentioned Three Musketeers earlier but in the same way Tim Curry who I love's cardinal character is in, in the Three Musketeers movie I see Rickman doing it even better here He's just dialed up like he he has these amazing lines like where he's like, do you want to be killed or do you want to do you want to be tortured? I want to be killed. Torture. <laughs> do you want to be tortured or killed? <laughs> tortured. The answer is always torture. <laughs> I mean, like that is really it's evil. It's it's truly despicable. Everything he does is despicable. How he does his hair is despicable. Uh, he's such a womanizer, uh, you know, even though he's um, running around and treating all of his uh, servants like crap he like walks by two and he's like you're going to come into my uh, chambers tonight and you'll write after that and bring a friend and so oh, you missed part of the joke though it's the you 1030 you 1045 and bring a friend yes yes so you know he's dressed in all black and you're right he's a cartoon character and you're kind of expecting with this character you're going to have the robin hood in all green tights and a and like the the hat with the feather in it but i think he stands out i think he's i think he's stealing scenes left and right in this movie you know the villains are are big and they they steal the scenes even guy gisborne i mean that guy opens his mouth and that gravelly voice pours out and you're just like whoa <laughs> like there's just this amazing set of supporting characters and there's good guys too like andrew like what about the merry men as well as the cast around robin hood yeah, so I I do believe, uh, I do think that my favorite uh, supporting actor or men that surround Robin Hood has to be Friar Tuck. You know, he comes in there all big and glorious and singing and drunk, and he has this sort of warm, fuzzy feeling, you know, and he's, he's the kind of guy, he's educating individuals about brain at one point in the movie, um, and that, you know, <laughs> well, yeah, you could, you could make something out of it, but you know, make beer, you know? Um, so, and, and, you know, he stands up uh, in the end to, I forget his name now, the, the, the bad priest and, and ended up pushing him out the window with, with pieces of silver for, uh, you know, entry into hell. So, you know, I, I, I think he's probably one of, one of my favorite sort of supporting actors there. Yeah. What is Robin Hood without his merry men? I mean, this, the, 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 the village scenes, which, this movie gives a lot of time to, I mean, there's a large set of supporting characters and they don't rush anything. And so I actually really appreciate that. I think one of our other hosts, Brian Fry, is always asking for more and more development. I think this is one of those movies that gives it to you. I don't think it overstays its welcome with any of it either because you have such interesting characters. Maid Marian's not even a weak, like, female character. She's smart. She's crafty. She plays to her political position and plays it safe when necessary. But she's also willing to go out when she realizes that Robin Hood's really got a real cause here. She sticks her neck out on a limb to her detriment and near uh, ma- being married against your will is is uh, putting it nicely um <laughs> yes <laughs> absolutely um so uh you know she's a really cool female character for the time as well so that there's well constructed supporting characters even will scarlet who at first hand just like well this guy's just not being won over you find out later that he's his brother and that he resents him heavily because they have different mothers and that Robin Hood condemned their, his mother as, a, as you know, somebody who is of lower nobility 
And it shows you that character evolution of Robin Hood, who, as Chad mentioned earlier, he's a nobleman. He's coming back, and then he's now part of this band of outlaws of the lower, the warrior of the lower class. That's a great story in its own right, too. So, uh, without these other characters, you don't get that richness of the transition of Robin Hood. Yeah, it's the Merry Men in this movie are essentially Ewoks. They're just like poor, uneducated. Use the jungle and the forest to their advantage they even have kind of an ewok village going on here can't tell left and right we were just like one log trap away from completing it not like ewoks so this kind of made me sad but the toys that i mentioned earlier unfortunately heavily borrowed from the castings of the of the of the Star Wars Ewok village and the the Return of the Jedi characters, Friar Tuck is literally like the same body of one of Jabba's guards, and they just stuck a different head on him. Kevin Costner is Big um, Fortuna. Yeah. yeah, so Kevin Costner's uh, Robin Hood character is a Green Lantern Kenner toy that just has a different head and a different paint job put on it. So that um, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe gets me a little bit. Uh, Oh, come on, Kenner. Do better than that. Even even the village was the Ewok village, just rebranded and repackaged. So, shamelessly. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Will Scarlet, though, that was... He was a character that I spent most of the movie, like, from his first introduction. I was like, well, he's going to betray everyone. And I wound up in a weird place where I'm like, I'm going to be annoyed when this eventually happens. And then it never happened. And I was annoyed that it never happened. <laughs> Like, they telegraph it to the point of just, like, okay, let's just get it over with. And then he just, uh, I don't know, changes his mind for because he got a really good hug. Like, we need more of that type of hugging going on if that's happening. Yeah, yeah, the world needs a hug, for sure. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I love the little John character as well. And Yeah, uh, he was good. Yeah, so, I mean, we're just going right down the list here. It's an amazing set of characters but one of the criticisms that this movie comes into contact for some of the acting portrayals and i think let's i think there's no way around it let's talk about it andrew kevin costner very american (laughs) and playing a very british man is this 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 seems to be the largest point of contention that i see absolutely and we're kind of uh jumping ahead here but you know uh he he is my recast vote He's great. He was famous. I understood why he was he was put in that role, uh, or you know, or casted for that role. I get it, but he didn't even attempt the British accent, you know. So, you know, I guess who at that time could replace him? You know, I did a little bit of research and I was trying to figure out like someone of the same kind of age, you know, who maybe could have replaced him. And you know, I come across Sean Bean. I'm like. Could you imagine Sean Bean as as Robin Hood? Yes. He'd be awesome. Was he famous at this point? Uh, that's probably part of the reason he wasn't casted as Robin Hood, because he wasn't famous at that point. He'd be good, though. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. And, and you know, so he's, he's one name that came up that I thought I'd like to see that. But, yeah, he, he, I, I do believe that Kevin Costner was probably the one recasting individual in, in that movie. Well, Carrie, Carrie Ellis was offered the role. He just turned it down because he thought the plot was too contrived. I think then, he would actually be a good Robin Hood. 
especially to Alan Rickman's sheriff in Nottingham. Had he known Rickman was on board and what he was going to do with the character, I, I kind of wonder, would he have gone for it? Obviously, would. I wouldn't want to take him out of Robin Hood Men in Tights. I was going to say, he was a great Robin Hood. I think he could be a good serious Robin Hood or semi-serious Robin Hood, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, he would have added the comedic chops I think I was looking for. Yeah, but, they, they offered the job to Mel Gibson as well, and I'm glad they didn't do that. Oh, I think he could be good. I don't think this is a time for Mel Gibson. <laughs> That's fair. Costar did try, though. He hired a dialect coach and everything, and apparently it was just so abysmal they told him, just stop. Okay. Like, please, please just don't try. <laughs> it was the director's call, who is a British man, who I think was probably like, stop. It's offending me. Like, <laughs> yeah, Costner. Every every time they would argue offset, he would do it in an English accent, and the director's like, "Yeah, this is exactly why I'm not letting you do this." <laughs> I had no idea about that. That is fantastic. Does this top the list of British accents that you didn't like, Andrew? Like, have you watched another movie where you're just like, "That is very apparent to me that that is not a British accent." Like, is this the one that makes you cringe the most? I would say so. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I, I look back at it now. I mean, back then, uh, as, as a child, I, I had, you know, I didn't even think about it. But I, I look at it now, uh, fresh eyes, and I, I, I see why, you know, people don't believe that he is the right person for the, for the job or for the role. So I, I, that's why I, I, I firmly believe he's, he's the one recast in this movie. I toyed with recasting, but I'll be honest with you. I came to the same conclusion that the producers probably did at that time where who... Okay, so when you're producing a movie, you ask who's in it almost as fast as you ask what the screenplay is. And you're doing that to draw people to the movie. And Rickman's not a big name at the time. In fact, he's billed pretty low. In fact, I think he's like sixth build or something like that. He's billed behind Christian Slater. and So he's not got the get get your money in there. Maid Marian is not really a well-known name. In fact, it was going to be Robin Wright's character. She got pregnant and it fell to... It, and it ended up going to Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, which I have a hard time saying that all. That's a, that's a long name. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, Kevin Costner was just big. I think it was simply people will show up and watch this movie if we put a big name in it. And I mean, that's how things like Ben Affleck is Daredevil or Nicolas Cage turns out to be Ghost Rider sometimes. And it's not always a good win or George Clooney becomes Batman, you know. Sometimes bad things happen because you want a big name in the role. And he was a big name. He was coming off Dances with Wolves. He was an Oscar winner. He couldn't be stopped. He made a ton of money on this one. It, you know, he came up only short to The Terminator. I mean, uh, he'd done The Untouchables. I mean, he'd done some amazing movies. I personally think that Kevin Costner as an actor tends to be overrated. I think he gets a lot of roles that are above what he as an actor is. But having said that, he's in a lot of good movies. Yeah, and I, and I, I also kind of do agree with, with why they cast him. I mean, I think at least modern day, these days, um, they, they don't build movies around, around, cast, around characters anymore or actors anymore. I, that's how at least I feel when I watch movies today. There's a lot of unknown. The movie sort of leads with, with individuals that are just not famous. There's no big names, you know, whereas... whereas Back then, it was about who could you get? Who could you get for this movie? Because if you got this person, you was going to make the most money. And he did. Exactly. Oh, well, he got close to it. He was second. But, but you know, Terminator was one. So I guess Arnie, Arnie wins that one. I mean, they, they, beat, they beat a Disney flick out. That's hard to do. 
Right. One of, one of the best, too. Yeah, I mean, so I can't fully criticize it when we all handed them our money. It's almost like the, when everybody says, I hate Nickelback. Well, there's a lot of people who mm-hmm. bought their albums, and there's a lot of people buying concert tickets to Nickelback, so some of you are lying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not it, although my wife has a ridiculous collection, like appalling amounts of Nickelback. Yes, so other fun turndowns. Uh, Johnny Depp turned down the role for Will Scarlet, and I gotta say that would that would be good. Yes. Yeah, that would have been. I mean, but, but Slater was also big at the time. Also not British. Alan Rickman turned down the role twice and the, until they basically promised him, yeah, you can you can ad lib, you can do whatever you want. I don't get why everybody doesn't want this movie so much. I, they, 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 this Chris, the, the script has been criticized a number of times and Rickman did say the script wasn't very good. So to Chad's point, he brought in two of his friends. Uh, one was a screenplay writer, one was a comedian to help him rewrite the parts. And, you know, the director was just like, sure, that's good. Go with it, yeah. To Kevin Reynolds' credit, that's what a good director should do: see see the talent of the actors and and take it to the you know let them let them have their leash. So I'm I'm okay with it, and it's one of those things where you do wonder where were the British action stars at the time? Because I I was sitting there thinking, I was like Timothy Dalton's not right for this. I mean, uh, Pierce Brosnan, no. I mean, like Andrew, like were I don't. Names aren't popping into my head at the time. Like no. Bruce Willis is like too American, you know. I mean, uh, gosh, Harrison Ford not right for this part. Brad Pitt probably not the name that he would go on to become. Also, does a bad British accent in Troy. So I mean, um, <laughs> how dare you? Hey, I love Brad Pitt. He's a great actor. So I'm not gonna knock him too hard. But I'm just saying, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you got to stay in your lane and. Um, I'm- I'm not sure they were going for British in Troy. I think they were just going for vaguely high air sounding. Maybe. Because they're supposed to be Greek. Maybe. <laughs> you just, you, you can't sound Greek while doing those for whatever. Gladiators at this pace. It's like ancient Romans spoke in an English accent for no so good the reason. British, the British people, the British actors, were, I, I, I just feel like they weren't getting a lot of love in this kind of movie at this point in time. I don't know. Maybe we maybe we just didn't get some movies that the UK got at the time that I maybe that's just my ignorance of not knowing who would go in this. So. No, I'm with you. I think I think big actors were definitely American Hollywood actors. So, you know, like I said, I, I did a bit of research for but you know, actors from from the UK or from England are born in in the same period of time or same era and and really, you know, there weren't that many big names that came up for me. Um, and I Sean so, Connery's too old. He already played the part, actually. <laughs> right. It was like this gap, you know, between between the the thirties and the fifties, and and so you know, in terms of big big names, I, I think Kevin Costner sort of brings in the money, uh, and and that's why. Hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. So, and I I I kept thinking of people like, oh yeah, Paul Bettany might be a, a good Robin Hood, and it's like, oh, he would have been like. 18 or 19 that's exactly young. you know exactly. I kept having or oh you know gary oldman that man can play anything and he's also pretty young to be doing this so i mean uh it, you know there's i had a I, every time i kept thinking of a british actor i might want to pop in there instead they would be like 16 and that's not it's not the adventures of young robin hood mm-hmm. rowan atkinson 
<laughs> that's a movie I'd also want to see. Just because. I would too. Oh, so there's another movie being produced in parallel with this. That's also was vying for Kevin Costner's participation. It's a Robin Hood movie that is released in this year, and it actually has Uma Therma in mm-hmm. it, and she's the Maid Marian character, and the the American character, sorry, the sorry, <laughs> the actual British character. They actually got a British Robin Hood, but I don't recall his name at the moment. <laughs> but they got Uma Thurman for Maid Marian, so we've just reversed issues. I don't know if she can do a British accent. Robin Hood, nineteen ninety one, stars Patrick. Oh, uh, where to go? Patrick Bergen. So. Huh. Clearly, if you get a real, real British actor to play your Robin Hood, you get no one to show up. Oh, I don't. Oh, I might have made a faux pas there. He's from Dublin, Ireland. I had no idea about this movie. I, I, I'm Wikipedia right now looking at it. I've, I've not seen this one before. <laughs> no one has. <laughs> yeah. So it was the, it was the race for the who could put out the Robin Hood movie first. So there was a lot of rushed schedule around this they wanted to be the first robin hood out or the better robin hood and this movie clearly won out at the box office as well as in the hearts of me (laughs) yeah okay as far as the story structure goes a lot of the modern day robin hood elements come from earlier adaptations such as the errol flynn version of robin hood i was looking i've actually watched a documentary on the legend of robin hood and it's really fuzzy. Like, we're not exactly sure if there was a Robin Hood. If so, what period of time he was from. There's people in Yorkshire who actually will debate and say that they were the home of the actual real Robin Hood. And they even debate which King George, because there's it gets confusing. There's more than one George. Um, which King George had the Robin Hood character? Which Sheriff of Nottingham would have had it? There's another character whose name's not Robin Hood, who seems to oppose a sheriff of nottingham so it's weird there's various people who the legend attaches stories from and at this point in time it's being told by word of mouth and minstrels and poems and these ballads and it is kind of growing and earliest poems don't have anything about him giving to the poor it was just simply i kill rich people and take their money and that was enough to please people in the middle ages of like you know middle ages people are okay to Mass amounts of violence. It's like, I behead rich people and I take their money. And they're like, oh, what a hero. Yay. So. That's, uh, it was King Richard. King Richard III, though. It shouldn't be George. Uh, that was much later. Thank you for correction. So there's a lot History of, people. there's more than one King Richard. And they, yes. they couldn't tell which one that Robin Hood necessarily goes to. So it's fuzzy. And where the Robin Hood history is, is fuzzy in itself. So I've heard some people say that it's not historically accurate this is a legend i mean it's really hard to know i mean he kind of grew out of this character and i mean it's a it's a good hero idea i mean basically zorro is very similar he's like a rich uh noblesman who becomes the defender of the lower class and there's something incredibly awesome about that idea real or not that's just a really cool that's a superhero i was getting frustrated because the all the English troops were using crossbows for a long time, and they did have a fun scene where they literally threw a crossbow at someone and hit him in the head. But it's like the British in this time period were really famous for longbows. That's their thing. 
And it took until pretty much the forest scene for them to bring out the the long bows. Yeah, we had some short compound bows, but yeah, I was confused by the presence of crossbows. I think they just wanted a scene where something heavy was thrown at someone's head. I think they wanted it to be an unveiling of like, oh, snap, this guy, this guy is an amazing archer. You know, he goes to the Crusades, you know, he's a tough warrior, you know, he's come home battle hardened. But this movie uses it as an unveiling of like, you know, this guy is better at fighting than everybody. Well, I can only say that those people in Yorkshire are, are incorrect. <laughs> Um, Robin Hood is from Nottingham Um, I can take you to Sherwood Forest and show you where he lived Um, he is real uh, as far as my belief and um, there are lots of artifacts and and, and there's a museum set up there in Sherwood Forest where you can go and and visit for yourself like I said it's it's a tourist destination where you can where you can learn so that's my take on that I don't know how you're familiar you are with it, but in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, there's a museum to the Mothman. I'm sounds. not familiar. Uh, <laughs> the a... Mothman. Now I have to look that up. Yes, now you have to yeah. go on a trip to uh, Chad. Help me Point, out. Point, yeah, Point Pleasant, Point West Pleasant. Virginia. Point Pleasant. We'll need yes. to make a field trip to Nottingham. And if you if you Patreon subscribers do no, donate enough to us, Chad and I will get on a plane and go to Nottingham gladly. So I would, yeah. Yes. I would love to check out the Robin Hood music. I'd be glad to show you both around. <laughs> uh, and Nottingham's a pretty big city, right? Yes, it's uh, about the same size as Pittsburgh, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I did miss uh, Prince John from this movie. Like, he just doesn't appear here, and he's a character that I was expecting. You know, he's he plays a huge role in the animated. He's He's the primary villain, and winds up being the butt of the joke in Men in Tights. He's just not around. I guess we didn't really need him with how good Alan Rickman was. but Yeah, I mean, anybody who detracts from Rickman's character, uh, I say, can kick rocks. Uh, yeah, I wonder if that was in their original script and Alan Rickman's just like, no, no, I'm going to be the top bad guy. So uh, as we shift into the director's talk here, Kevin Reynolds has his job cut out for him. Not only is he trying to beat the production of another Robin Hood movie, so he won the Kevin Costner battle. One of the reasons he got this role is simply because he had worked with Kevin Costner before. So it was a reuniting of the Kevins, Kevin Reynolds and Kevin Costner. They'd done two pictures, and uh, they hadn't made a dime, and uh, they, but they knew the studio wanted him because they wanted to get Costner. And so it was more of director to get the actor they wanted, and that's how much they wanted Costner. And... <laughs> Uh, and Kevin Costner said that he felt like Kevin Reynolds was such a good filmmaker that he would do it. So uh, that was the trump card. Oh, four years later, he's going to regret that statement. Well, Waterworld. yeah. So they had done a movie Fandango from 1985 together, which I have not seen. And Chad's alluding to the fact that not only do they do Robin Hood, Men and Prince of, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves here, which made a ton of money and critics scorn can be shaken off and say we won the audience has had fun uh but you're right Waterworld comes in and that is a sharp turn down for kevin uh reynolds career he does the count of monte crisco in 2002 but you know his work after 1995 he gets he gets less work so yeah yeah tristan and he's old was pretty mediocre yeah but 
they're rushing a big schedule. They're fighting weather in England and these locations that they're shooting, and they have a very condensed schedule, and it was hard on the crew. So, uh, you know, Kevin Costner was kind of getting burned out. I remember the movie that he does after this is JFK, and I remember he was debating about whether he wanted to take that movie or not. He was just so burned out from acting, he needed to take a break, and Oliver Stone talked him into that one as well. I'm sure they paid him handsomely, but... um. Costner's just on a heck of a run here, but uh, Reynolds only had 10 weeks for pre-production and little time for rehearsing and revisions. And for a movie of this magnitude and scope, that's actually not all that much time to put this all together. Andrew, in terms of, we talk a lot about the management side of the director just now, but how do you feel like he does in terms of bringing the vision of Robin Hood? Does it feel like Robin Hood that you grew up, you know, hearing about? Yeah, I do think uh, my, my mind when I think of Robin Hood is, you know, his bow and arrow. And when it comes to this movie, it's, it's a flaming bow and arrow, you know, one that's sort of pulled back, ready for release. And I, I think he, he presents this in sort of a, a clumsy way. You know, you've got these, these guards, which are heavily clad in these big metal helmets and, and, you know, moving around the stage. But, you know, in the middle of all of this, you have Robin Hood, who is this diamond in the rough, trying to be good in the face of evil. And I, I think the director really allows Robin Hood to shine and, and come through as, as that being his role. You know, he is supposed to be the, the good guy in the movie. So I think the, the director does a fantastic job of presenting that exact story. I think he picked some amazing locations. I don't know if you feel like, like I mean, yeah. I'm not from England, but this, uh, this makes me want to go there. Yep, the White Cliffs of Dover, you know, obviously when they land from the Crusades, you see that, you know, he, he, he gets on that beach and, and starts kissing the sand. So, you know, that's, that's set there. You also have the forest, which I don't think is set in Nottingham, England. I, I think it's probably somewhere else, but, you know, it represents that feeling. And You're not going to like this. The Yorkshire is going to take, take credit for this one again. That, that amazing sure. waterfall scene with little John is in, is in North Yorkshire as well. So, okay. Uh... okay, I'll let them have that one. <laughs> uh, you know, and obviously the Notting, Nottingham Castle, you know, which is that Nottingham Castle? No, that's an odd France. <laughs> so that's a French so, castle. <laughs> so not much English at all in it, but, you know, representational of that. Well, the Priory in Northumberland is, is Marion's Manor. And okay. Loxley's Castle is Waldorf Castle in Wiltshire, and Sherwood Forest does have Sherwood Forest moments in it too. So they went they went there, and there's beaches in Buckinghamshire, and uh, you know I'm sure our American audience's eyes are glazing over. The point is he went he went all around, but I think he picked some amazing locations. These feel like they're out of something like Lord of the Rings or something like a fantasy almost, and it's just like wow, yeah. England really is a beautiful place. Yeah, we did Monty Python a, a few weeks back. It did not look this good. And it's not like we're seeing the same castle. It's like, wait a minute, this is the third time we've seen this location. Yeah. <laughs> They're different people. Yeah, no, this was great. All the set design really was great. I love the layers, the castle. The It reminded me of the Ewoks, and which is a fond memory for me, the, the forest village, which would have taken some time to set up. So that was cool. Absolutely. And even the uh, Jerusalem dungeon, as Trant pointed out, or the or whether it be the Sheriff of Nottingham's dungeons and stuff like that, they're these very colorful moments and they just set the mood. So tons of credit for Kevin Reynolds for 
you know, I, I might have too much nostalgia for this, but even coming back to it as an adult, I'm sitting there going like this, this looks like I want it to look, it, it, it has an epic sense to it. I feel like I'm on an epic adventure. That's because we've, we're just in this era where everything has to be sepia tone now. It's like we're going dark and gritty. That was one thing that stood out to me. Everything's bright and colorful. The sanctuaries have candles, even the dungeons. There are candles everywhere. If if this were, well, we mentioned Russell Crowe's. Everything's gritty and it's sepia toned and it's washed out because we just can't have joy in modern movies anymore. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you one thing this movie did love. Mist. Every mist was everywhere. I think their dry oh. ice budget was through the roof on this one. And, <laughs> and, and I, I, Andrew can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like uh, they, they were implying that, uh, you know, England in the 1100s was a very foggy place. It is a very foggy place. Oh, is it? 1100s or even today. That hasn't changed. Um, I think there's one scene in the movie where Morgan Freeman, you know, he, he lands in England and he's trying to find where... Uh, east is and uh, he says is there no sun in this cursed country you know <laughs> that was pretty funny <laughs> he's he's not far off the truth of that one um so you know there's a yeah i'd say it's pretty accurate and um and, and why not have fun with it but even as they're cloudy to chad's point i feel like it's bright it, it seems like a it seems like a summer vacation in florida compared to the Zack snyder like you know justice league movie so yeah. <laughs> some storytelling things i thought kind of reynolds did a good job of telling a story and andrews complimented it a number of times but one thing that bothered kevin reynolds he said that first and foremost he was reportedly upset that the removal of the sheriff learned that mortiant was his mother and that would have been an interesting twist that i'm okay with it just makes you hate again the sheriff of nottingham this movie is the embodiment of everything you hate so if he is her son then sure that makes me hate him more. Yeah, I don't. I don't need that. That seems needlessly convoluted. Okay. She was a cool character, and she was clearly like druid influenced because she keeps talking about the old ways and how the sheriff. You know, there's a, there's a religious theme throughout it too, and so the sheriff is adherent to the old ways, and you first see him with. Uh, an upside down crucifix and he turns it right side up briefly and says there's no difference to me but yeah she's again another reason why you just hate this character yes (laughs) i mean (laughs) i mean he does everything you can do to not like him (laughs) but uh there's one other uh, error that uh kevin reynolds didn't like it created a continuity error uh mary mary tells him take a bath robin and later in the movie, he rubs manure on himself to go by the guards to get into town. And actually, that was taken out of sequencing. The producing studio, they have their say on things. And he was supposed to have rubbed manure on himself to get into the castle to see Maid Marian. And therefore, he would smell like manure. So therefore, take a bath made a lot more sense. Oh, this, good to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this didn't bother me at all. I just assumed it'd been a while. He lost his castle. There's a right time to rub manure on yourself and there's a wrong time, Chad. That's the lesson that this comes from. So fair enough. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's, I uh, think him taking a bath, you know, in the under that beautiful waterfall was was the moment when May Marion, you know, her eyes lit up uh, and was like, Oh, I actually quite like this guy. Yeah. You know? She is more keen on him after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a stunt double, by the way. Apparently the water was so cold 
that they were afraid that hypothermia was a risk, so they sent him in instead. Or <laughs> Kevin Costner is just a rich actor who's just saying, I'm not getting in that cold water. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the battle scenes, Andrew? We haven't talked about the battle sequences. Were there any special effects? I don't think so. Uh, Pyrotechnics, I've... you know, fire. Yeah. Yeah, it's like gunpowder, right? You've got fire going off in the background. One of them, um, you know, stunts uh, launching Robin Hood and Azim over the wall with one of those, uh, you know, firing ball launchers that you see in medieval times. You know, th those are some of the sort of cinematography, you know, things that you see that come through this. There's definitely no CGI, at least that. Not I am aware of. I don't think there's any green screen uh, stuff that goes on. I, you could, I could be wrong. There is the arrow, the, where they follow the arrow, like when he releases the arrow and the camera follows the arrow path. That's, you're getting some help, computer help there, but that's it. Okay. Okay. That, All right. Like that's very, very little. Right. Exactly. So everything's filmed on scene, live, action cut, and, uh, and that's about it then. Yeah, I think that's a fun way of doing it. I think there's an authenticity. We're so far into movie history at this point that we're at the top of the game for practical effects. And I think the battle scenes look awesome on this, as well as the set design. I'm Chad Fair. I have the same criticism of this as I do of Gladiator. Can we stop bringing catapults to a forest? That is highly <laughs> impractical. I love it. <laughs> Oh, that's there, funny. there might be a right time and a wrong time to rub manure on yourself, but I don't think there's ever a wrong time to bring a catapult. There is when you're surrounded by thick old trees to block your projectile. Stop it. I thought that they missed a golden opportunity for a laugh because they, they get on there at, at great bravery and they, they go over the wall and they have no clue what's on the other side. And, you know, you could have hit the stone uh, ground for all you know, but instead they get a nice conveniently placed hay cart which is very nice but then the next shot cuts to the to the angry villagers having cracked open the gate and gotten through and i, I wish it would have been nice that morgan freeman looked over there and it's just like why didn't we just go through there with them <laughs> through the door <laughs> that's a great one <laughs> yeah that would have been a good a good uh, a good laugh or a good joke to add on there it's the next scene that they cut to <laughs> <laughs> There was, I feel bad for people of Celtic descent too. Like they get hired out. They're the, they're the evil Hessian type characters in this, but like right in the middle of battle, they're just so evil that they've got to start raping immediately. Like there are still people trying to stab you in the middle of this, but there were a couple that are just tackling the women. I'm like, man, that dude really loves rape. Like he's, I mean, it's, it's pillaging and. I mean, and raping goes with that. I mean, it's like fish and chips. I mean, it's, it's the 1100s. It's what they do. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, well, well look, I, I don't want to advise anyone on how to properly execute this, but it's probably not in the heat of battle. Like, I, there I'm, are just pretty, I'm pretty sure Nordic invaders were vaders for anybody. I don't you know, I, I'm pretty sure they I, I don't think somebody was standing over them being like burning houses. OK, looting is OK. But that what you're doing with that woman is right out. Well, I, I'm just saying you could get stabbed in the middle of the act. There was still a battle going on. Again, I'm not condoning rape. This is a this is a problem all across the board, but it was just weird. It's like we've got to make our bad guys even more evil. Well, I mean, they're burning up a house with a little infant in it. So, I mean, they're pretty evil. I, I mean, I'm, yeah, whatever. That, uh, the, the kid in this one was terrible. 
we ha- we haven't gotten to that yet. But yes, I did hate this kid. Like he could have prevented a lot of. Oh, see, he's too old. I thought he would have been above the age line for you to hate that young actor. No, Chad Chad hates could've... young actors, by the way, Andrew. Like he's oh, re- relentlessly hard on nearly every kid actor. But I thought this one was old enough to get away from it. From no, he could have prevented a lot of strife here with between Little John. He could have pointed out, hey, this was the dude that saved me from Nottingham's cousin. And defended me and took on like six people all by himself. Instead, he's just like, ha ha, you're about to get owned and maybe drown. Good luck. But isn't that what kids do? You know, aren't they a little naughty? I mean, at least English kids. Um, (laughs) Maybe not over here so much. We we don't listen to our parents any better. (laughs) See, my daughter tells me everything she knows. Everything. So there's zero chance that if she happened to know this person and see that they saved him, that all this information wouldn't be immediately communicated to me in endless detail. And he's just like, eh, sucks to be you. My dad's going to kick your butt. See, kids in England, they're just a little more uh, naughty, I think. And, <laughs> it's that thimble um, of whiskey you get. Yeah, exactly. And if there is a, a way to pull one over on, on somebody else, you're going to do it. It's All just right. part of being cheeky and, and it's part of growing up and everybody does it. And therefore it's, I would say, acceptable and socially acceptable as a kid to just be a little naughty and lock somebody in a closet and keep them in there for a while, you know? So this is kind of in line with that. As a kid, you watch something like that and you, you see that kid being naughty and you, you're like, okay, I'm going to pull a prank on my sister, you know? So, so I can kind of relate to it a little bit. I don't know, man. This is one year away from Kevin McAllister wreaking havoc on some burglars. So I think, I don't know, I think kids are full of mischief everywhere. So, uh, you know, I think uh, it was interesting that we talked about how they did this for real. Kevin Costner got his nose broken at the horse uh, that bucked up and hit his nose on the chase scene as they were leaving Marion's place. So no stunt rider for him, but uh, he did get his nose broken. And he finished the scene, too, by the way. Wow, that's impressive. I I thought that would have been sort of, you know, fake blood or, or, or you know, uh, backup actor, uh, stuntman. But that uh, that's amazing to know that he actually he got one in the face. So again, I'm naughty. So. <laughs> <laughs> and we talked about Robin Hood being an archer. I could have used a little more awesome archery, which he definitely breaks out in the the tree village attack scene, but. I didn't expect as a kid, you know, to see this much swordsmanship. And he has some awesome sword fighting, particularly with the Sheriff of Nottingham as he's rescuing Marion. This scene is a lot of fun. It has, again, it has this Pirates of the Caribbean feel to it. This movie comes way before that, though. There's a sense of swashbuckling fun that I really enjoy in this. And and uh, also how he rides that... Uh, I don't know if it's a tapestry, a banner, a flag into to even get into the room breaking through. I mean, this is not historically accurate stuff, as I mentioned, but it, this is a blast. This is like literally what Tom Cruise is doing in Mission Impossible, uh, you know, Ghost Protocol, you know, years and years later, swinging into a, a room from up above. Somehow that does it for me. Fair enough. Yeah. And, enough. you know, he's uh, he's training the, these these merry men in the forest and he's He's, he's teaching them how to use a bow and arrow. And, and, you know, one scene that comes to mind is where he, he launches a, a bow into a tree and then he launches another bow, uh, sorry, another arrow into the arrow that was already in the tree and splits it, you know, just saying perfect shot, you know, bullseye. 
you know, so so at the same time, I think he does show his his skill set um, using an arrow. But you know, if he just used an arrow throughout, I think you have the Hunger Games then, right? Uh, you know, and and where, the way she uses her arrow um, throughout that movie. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I I watched the Green Arrow TV series, and I was never really clamoring clamoring for swordplay. I'm fine with it. There's no wrong time for swordplay, so. Um, there's no wrong time for catapults either. Yes, clearly an established uh, wrong time for catapults. I, I like the swords. Soundtrack, Andrew, do you like the music of Robin Hood? Everything I do, I do it for you. Um, I mean, is this movie a romance movie? Uh, you tell me. I, you know, I guess it sort of is Yeah. in, in a way. Obviously, that song is, is, is big. And it's big even today, you know, people have it in their, their wedding ceremonies and, and there's their first dance and, and it's still huge. And so it, was it the right, was it the right movie, uh, song for the movie? They, they play it throughout, really. I mean, obviously they don't play the words, but you can hear the theme tune in the back room constantly being played whenever Marianne and Robin Hood get in the same scene. So I, I think it's great personally. I think there is a little bit of a, a love movie to this. So, yeah, I think I think awesome. Yeah, it goes to 14 weeks at number 1 on the US Billboard charts. I think it spent even longer, 16 weeks on the UK charts. It's helping to actually sell this movie. So we we mentioned that uh this is not something you see as much anymore to your point Andrew like when movies market in the 90s, they they have a hit song often that hits the radio and that makes people want to go to the theater to watch the movie and it worked. At least it did yeah. then. Yeah, Kiss from a Rose. I remember that for Batman quite well. Yeah, yeah. The soundtrack used to be a big deal for certain blockbuster movies. But uh, I didn't realize Brian Adams co-wrote this with Michael Kamen, the man who does the score for the rest of this movie. And by the way, he's also the guy who did the score for another Alan Rickman movie. It was He was the guy who did the score for Die Hard. So, mm-hmm. And uh, he did the score for The Highlander as well. So... Uh, I didn't realize Brian Adams, one of his biggest songs, he gets an assist there from Michael Kamen. So I'm sure he's very grateful for that. This soundtrack, it it was what I needed coming off of Hero. One of my big criticisms of of Hero was I I did not enjoy the soundtrack at all. I thought it was kind of plodding and it took away from what was otherwise kind of a legendary movie. It was a Tall Tales type movie. That's what this is. It's It's the tall tale of robin hood it's the legend of robin hood and we get that throughout the entire movie i like that there were actual medieval melodies friar tuck singing a real medieval tune uh, from the 13th century so kudos to the score here brian adams i i could do without but as you said it it helps it helps the you made the entire country of canada angry at you now that's that's fine. You know what? Celine Dion and Justin Bieber suck too. So. Oh, <laughs> Come man, at me, Canada. These are fighting words, man. <laughs> All right, and you already and you besmirched Nickelback while you're at it. I was gonna say and Nickelback. Yeah, Canada, you were just a blight on the music world. Oh man! Oh my goodness! Shots were fired. Uh, yeah, but not catapult <laughs> shots. He doesn't feel like it's the right time for those shots. <laughs> I think I think one one measure of a good score is if you're just riding around the countryside with a horse, or if you're just walking around and you kind of get this feeling of like, oh yeah, I'm 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 pumped. You have a good score. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. 
and then if you can finish the movie and 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 you know you put the movie down you, you you turn the tv off and if you can still hum that theme tune then you know they've done a good job or if you go to an archery range just like you know at summer camp or whatever and that's kind of entering your head a little bit like uh in your own conscious yeah you did your job so good job michael Kamen. it's time to hand out some awards what do you guys say Let's do it. Let's do it. MVP. I might have tipped my hand here a little bit. But Andrew, what about you? Who's your MVP? I'm actually going to go with uh, Morgan Freeman as Azim. He was awesome. Mm. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought it was interesting they made an Islamic character such a positive character. At this point in film history, there's not a lot of diversity in your heroes and whatnot. And yes, he is a sidekick, but black man, Islamic character, and they made him a very virtuous character who was knowledgeable and they kept showing him having all this technology that was ahead of or different than the british technology at the time absolutely so i thought yeah. i thought that was really cool to make that character i guess have a sense of nobility to him he was a fish out of water and i had a lot of fun with that character so that's a very fun pick andrew yeah mvp chad alan rickman I love the bad guys, and he's a very lovable bad guy. He just had so much fun. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Mine is Alan Rickman as well. I think I've, I think I've my list of reasons why is as long as can be. So, and his quote list is amazing too. So, Andrew, who's your best supporting? Now, this is a big supporting cast. This might be a little tougher. Yeah, no, I've mentioned him already. Um, I really like Friar Tuck. I just love the way he owns the scene or the scenes that he is in. He's biting Robin Hood's leg and Robin Hood's shouting, shoot him. <laughs> exactly. He's, he's a little bit or mischievous himself. So, uh, Chad, how about you? Let's choose your best supporting actor. I went with Azeem, Morgan Freeman. I, I thought he was by far the most interesting hero character. And it's particularly unique because he's an original character. And he's sort of based off of Nasir from the other Robin Hood British TV series, there was some litigation there, but nevertheless, I feel like he's the most original addition to this story. Yeah, later editions, the Robin Hood with Jamie Foxx plays kind of a similar character. Oh, oh no, the Taron Egerton? Yeah, that Terrence Egerton. No, no, yeah, that was bad. Well, <laughs> anyway, they, they continue that tradition into that movie as well. Also with Dave Chappelle's character in Robin Hood Men and Tights with Achoo! Bless you. <laughs> My best supporting character is going to be Guy of Gisborne, Michael Wincott. Man, we didn't talk a lot about him, but this guy is a really good villainous henchman. I, I just straight down to his voice, his glare, and also I like his little goonery too of just like, why a spoon? Because it hurts. <laughs> he was great. Yeah. Hidden gem, Andrew. Oh, Chad, you're not going to like this one. The, the little John's kid. Oh. Yes. Kid. Yeah. Um, I, I just think, you know. I thought you were going to say he, catapults. No, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I, I, just, I just think he brings a, a playful, uh, you know, children's movie edge to this. Uh, softens it a little bit and uh, looks at it from a, a child's perspective. And as a child growing up watching this, you know, you look at this little kid and you're like, that's me. I'm the naughty guy in this movie. So, so I'm going with him. We had different childhoods. <laughs> yeah, so Daniel Newman as Wolf. Nice. All right, Chad. Uh, as upset as you might be, 
Who is your <laughs> head and camp? Yeah, nothing personal against Andrew. It's just like, oh, everything you said is the opposite world for me. I was not the child that's like, yay, children. I was the child that was disappointed by the presence of people my age. <laughs> I think that Chad wanted to be the young actor and kept feeling like, I could do better than that. That's, that's my deep, that's my, that's my theory. I didn't. I love, like, Tim Curry in Muppet Treasure Island. I, I always loved the villain, the big and powerful guy that could just boss people around. But I was little. Um, tangent aside, I went with Daniel Peacock's bull. Uh, he didn't have too many scenes, but the one where he's attempting to instruct another merry man who didn't know his right from his left is pretty hilarious. He had some great banter with Marion. I actually thought he had the better chemistry between uh, Robin Hood and Marion and Bull and Marion. So he was he was a fun merry man, and I kind of wanted more of him. Yeah, that's a great choice. I'm going to go with Imogen Bain. Uh, she is the heavy set companion to marion yeah sarah uh, yeah sarah so she uh she adds a lot of humor i enjoy her and i'm sad that after she gets knocked out I, we don't see her anymore <laughs> i thought we could have really used a scene where like she gets freed out of a dungeon later and then hits somebody with a blunt object or a pot smashes a pot over somebody's head i'm again i'm always looking for little ways to add those little humor moments into here and i think sarah just whacking one of those like uh knights with uh little nose guards over their face like with a frying pan or something like that that would be that i, I would be really happy with that because she was awesome i think you're led to believe that she is killed right oh yeah mm, yeah. yeah she's dead yeah i mean alan rickman is evil see i'm i'm more of the like action movies always just like just a just a small tap to the head and then you, you're you're incapacitated for 20 minutes so no, you're 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 right. You're you're totally right. Normally, when you get hit in the head with a blood instrument, I think it it kills you. So that's probably more realistic. Well, that's a downer. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, recast. If you had to recast somebody, Andrew, I think you said it was Christian Slater, and no. to remind people, no, Kevin Costner. Oh, sorry. Oh, you're right. Yeah, sorry. Andrew, I think you said that it was Kevin Costner, and you're gonna go with Sean Beam, right? Yep, I'm going with that. All right. I would see that, yeah. A connection back to your GoldenEye episode that you did with us before. I like how you tie it all together. Yes. Uh, now, Chad, recast. I'm recasting Mary Elizabeth as Marion. I thought this was a movie that had a lot of bad acting. We see that reflected in the Raspberry Awards or nominations. I thought she was the one that stood out as worse than everyone else. Oh, really? I didn't think she... I didn't think she had chemistry with Kevin Costner at all. Their first scene together, I'm like, I think this is supposed to be flirty and romantic, but it just didn't land for me. So I went with Diane Lane. Oh, I like she her. Has gr she has great chemistry with Costner and Man of Steel and Let Him Go. So I'd put her in this role. Well, I can't complain with that. I mean, and honestly, the original casting of Robin Wright, you know. Yeah. That would have been great, too. But I, I, I'm not too hard on Mary Elizabeth, Master Antonio on this one, other than for having a... Master Antonio gives me... That taxes me. Um, <laughs> have a shorter last name. Uh, my, my recast is going to be... I'm actually going to go after Christian Slater. I, I've, for a lot of the same reasons, I, I gave Costner the pass because I couldn't think of anybody better who was going to gross that much money in the box office. And I'd rather just make $600 million so, uh, and be wrong. 
But Slater has a lot of the similar problems, just at a much smaller scale. But wouldn't Gary Oldman be a good Will Scarlet? I think Johnny Depp, go back to his original. But yeah, Gary Oldman's good in everything. Yeah. I can't find an instance where he wouldn't be. You could recast him as Maid Marian, and I think I'd be fine with it. He's he's busy making JFK this year, but you know who else is busy making JFK this year? Kevin Costner, so like he can make the schedule work. So. I'd agree with that. Yeah. All right. Best shot, Andrew. For me, I think the best shot has to be the cover shot. Kevin Costner holding a or launching a fiery arrow with blazing background uh, into the executioner's mouth, you know, loaded with this terrible English teeth as he's about to... Uh, uh, kill his brother and 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 uh kevin costa saves his life um that's my favorite uh, shot all right and that is mine as well that's the cover of the image that i saw in the movie store and said i must bring this home now uh, jad so as we've learned from the quick and the dead it's really not easy to shoot through the rope of a noose so i'm picking robin's second shot to cut the rope of a noose i know it's a play on what we're trying to do but I'm going with that. Mm, uh, your puns with best shot. I, uh, uh, mm. <laughs> I'm shaking my head. Deal with it. That's a good one. Best scene, Andrew. I really like the scene where John Little and Robin of Loxley fight on the river. I think it's, I think it's fun to see him earn his right into the forest, into the, the lives of, of, of the merry men. Yeah. That is a very good pick. Chad. If the child had actually been useful in that scene, it would have taken away from Andrew's favorite scene. So there we go. For me, it's the sheriff brooding and he's getting more and more frustrated. And then he just starts saying, no more merciful, merciful beheadings and call off Christmas, which was an ad lib line. So pretty much anything Rickman did. But that that was a personal favorite. Andrew actually stole what I had written down as my go-to scene. I love the waterfall that they're in and the fighting scene in that was just such a fun setting. So, uh, but if I had to pick a runner up, I do really enjoy the scene where they stop everybody from being hanged. I feel like that's a motif I see in a lot of movies and it's a tense moment. And anytime you get somebody off the gallows, it's all a suspenseful moment. So I like that one. And and I know we've mentioned this before, but I, I also really like the moment when the King of England arrives at the end of the movie. And it's almost like it's a great closing clip to the movie. You know, he, he thanks Robin Hood for, for defending his right to the, to the throne. Yes, he doesn't show up at the most opportune time. Uh, I don't, don't disagree with that. But I think there's a great, it's great closure, right? You know, they get married. The love, the love story has come to it ultimate moment uh where they get married and, and and the king of england shows up is alive well and and all is well with the world is it all well because he's scottish and if we're going to criticize costner <laughs> for being english connery made yeah. no attempt to not be scottish on this one he just came in was like <laughs> you know very scottish uh he's been robbing it himself and that's a fun cameo but andrew are you upset there's a scotsman playing the king as the king um you know, Sean Connery gets a pass. He gets a pass. Okay. Absolutely. One hundred percent in this instance. OK, what? you know what? At least he's not trying to be Egyptian or Spanish Egyptian. <laughs> Darn Highlander. 
All right. Uh, so, best wardrobe moment, Andrew. Oh, there's so many uh, good outfits in this in this movie. I, um, the the entire movie is is sort of medieval period costume based. You know, so I, I'm just gonna go with Robin Hood. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot going on in his uh, outfit. Ebert criticized some of the uh, wardrobe, saying it looks like stuff's growing off of them, but. Maybe it's just because I came in as a kid, but I like it. Chad, what about you? Best wardrobe or makeup moment? I went with Mortiana's makeup. The one glassy eye, the long nails, the wild hair, all fits this motif of a character you shouldn't trust. And I like that she serves this role as a uh, a seer and a witch. So I I enjoyed her makeup. It added to the character. Yep, I, I was more specific, but the fingernails of Mortiana. But uh, yes, yeah. uh, she's she's the exact image of when you like like if you're at trick or treat and then she comes to the door and you're just be like, I don't need any candy. I'm all <laughs> <laughs> So no, she's terrifying. Change one thing, Andrew. You know, I would like to see it uh, again filmed in you know latest definition, 4K. See how things would change. I think that would be the only thing I could I could suggest if we were going to do it again. Man, I still think this movie looks good to this day. I think the practical, yeah, I just. Uh... You think it would look more like the Game of Thrones? You know. Yeah, I was gonna say you might get too computerized if you did it now. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I'm afraid to touch it. It's it's a piece of my childhood though. So, uh, yeah. Chad, what about you? Change one thing. Is it the catapults? No. <laughs> No. So in a movie where I've already attempted to axe one child, I'm going to get rid of a second one. Oh, man. There's there's like 15 minutes at least of editing that could have taken place. I'm cutting the entire birth of little John's son. That seems like the most obvious scene. I know, But Azim comes in with this. Oh, I love that scene. Go ahead. I know what the purpose of that was, but we could have come up with some other way for a drunk priest to like a Muslim. I mean, there there are other ways than have a Moor serve as a midwife. Like, just, it could have happened in battle organically sometimes. So Chad's cutting the Moorish C-section. Yes. All right. All right. I, I, I like that scene because I like Morgan Freeman's character, and it's a good moment for him. It, it's really just, I want 15 minutes out of this movie, and that seems like the obvious one to me. I also think, like, you know, he compared birthing to to birthing of a horse, um, yes. which is a little, which is a funny moment, which they added in there. But I do, I do understand what you mean. It was, it was rather long. It, see, the runtime, <laughs> the runtime tells me it's long, but my experience time says otherwise. So, yeah, I, I'm okay with the, that scene. But my uh, my change one thing is going to be I don't like how when we meet Maid Marian, she's in like ninja knight disguise and she's taken some pretty threatening blows at robin and <laughs> i don't like this i i just feel like that's incongruent it implies that she'll be some master of swordsmanship later i just i don't need that it can just be a really tough henchman that's fine like if you want to take robin and have him fight a guy who guards the castle and then school him that's fine but i don't think i think marion's a strong enough cool female character we don't need her masked swinging a sword at robin that swift kick to the testicles could have really come in handy i don't know during the wedding scene this movie likes crotch shots there's no doubt about it yeah. so 
Yeah. Uh, best quote, Andrew. The sheriff calls us outlaws, but I say we are free. And one free man defending his home is more powerful than 10 hired soldiers. Robin Hood. Powerful. All right. Nice. Yep. Chad. Best quote. Wait a minute. Robin Hood steals money from my pocket, forcing me to hurt the public, and they love him for it? Funny. Yes. Oh, sorry. I thought you were, were going to give the uh, scared, scared servant nods reluctantly with gigantic eyes. <laughs> that guy had some great facial acting, by the way. I, I did like the scribe a lot. He was very close on my hidden gem. I but, considered yeah. him as well. <laughs> yeah. The, the little ferret. Uh, there's a lot of good ones and I'm surprised that I'm not picking one from Rickman but I one stuck out to me when Azim said uh, a wise man once said there are no perfect men in the world only perfect intentions and I, I that did hit me as being like Ooh, that's profound I like that so but it is it is hard to to not pick some of uh, those amazing sheriff sheriff lines <laughs> yeah we barely talked about using a spoon and, you know, because it hurt you, twit. Because it's I, I do like how, <laughs> I do like how that was ad-libbed and then they just threw in another scene in the script of like, okay, we've got to address the fact that he said spoon. I was going to say, I appreciate the callback to it. Yes, definitely. Yeah. All right. Andrew, we've come full effect now. Full circle. What would you rate this movie on a five-star scale, half-star intervals? Just because for, for plot and storytelling and, and, and how this, you know, relates back to where I'm from, and I'm going to give this five stars. Wow. There's nothing wrong with that. And, Chad, what about you? First time watcher, let's see what you do with this. Five star scale, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm giving it three stars uh, just because I, I felt tonally confused. It's super dark, very violent at times, making adult jokes, and then it becomes lighthearted adventure before going back to torture. I hit on it a little before, but it feels like it wants to ape the feel of Indiana Jones, and it just didn't land for me. It's, I do think it's really enjoyable. I think you'll have a good time. It's just some of the decisions didn't line up. So for all of those things that you said, that's why I love this movie. And I'm giving it four that's and a half stars. <laughs> yes. That's why we have a show. It'd be very boring if we're all just like, eh, five stars, three stars. I fully acknowledge that the critics saw more flaws than I saw in this. But even going back to it today, saying like, okay, Costner doesn't speak with the proper diction. Like, is that really the main thing? Because this is a really fun movie. If somebody criticized its length, I could understand that too. But it's just a whole lot of fun. And if you make me smile that much and I have that much fun with it, I got done with this one. I rented this one off of Apple movies and I got done with it. And I'm like, ah, I'm sad this isn't in my collection. So <laughs> it's nice to see. I think, I think um, the next time I should review one of your selections of your favorite movies and see how our tastes are. Uh compare well you better ask him next month then because i'm gonna guess 20 of his top 20 movies are uh are all horror movies so <laughs> yeah I, I, I do feel bad when like we get guests uh, this being one of your favorites and you're you're writing these glowing reviews and russell's all excited and i watch him like oh man you didn't get it at the <laughs> right age and i think that says something what would i think yeah, it, if it i came to it at a 36 year old so i don't know this one i would watch again like i i tried to be Fair in my criticisms. Maybe I was a bit too harsh. 
No, I mean, I'm, I'm in no way like, I, I think for me, again, it's nostalgia for me. You know, this, this is the kind of movie that I would, I would put on time and time again if, if, you know, I'm have something to do on a, don't have something to do on a Sunday afternoon and I wanted to put, put something on that's maybe I'm, I'm missing home or something like that, you know, or maybe it, it goes on when, when I visit home and, and I'll, I'll have it on in the background. It's, it's one of those kind of uh, movies for me. But, uh, you know, I watched it with my wife last night and she saw it for the first time and she was like, what is this trash? You know, what is this? Oh, no. <laughs> what, am I, what am I watching? You know, like, <laughs> you know, like, but she doesn't like these kind of movies anyway, right? So she, she, she doesn't like the action. She doesn't like anything where there's blood and guts or, or you know, guns or Cutting uh, hands things off. like that. Yeah. yeah, like those kind of things. So as soon as like something like that comes on, you know, she loses interest. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's a, it was a losing battle from the beginning, you know. So, but, you know, that, that's, that's, what this, that's what movies are about, right? Bringing out feeling. Right, some 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 movies bring out say, bad feelings. And... Hands. That's what movies are about. No, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, bringing out emotions and feelings, and and everyone's gonna have some kind of nostalgia. Like I think Russell, you said there's an episode coming up for um for Christmas movies, right? I mean, you know that is that is something huge, right? Everybody has that Christmas movie, right? Am I banned from that episode too? Uh, you're definitely banned, Chris. Uh, yeah, Chad. Oh. Chad's a bit of a screw because of all the kids. No, yeah, I was kid. gonna say Chad also hates Christmas movies in addition to not liking kid actors. So, um, good that is the worst. So, yes, yeah, so Chad's banned from from that one. The amount of genres you have banned me from is growing to absurd. It's not. And next time we are going to be counting down the best 007 movies from the James Bond franchise from worst to best. It's a bonus episode and it's going to be a long episode. And we hope that you're looking forward to that with the new movie, No Time to Die, about to come out. So I hope you enjoy it. Check it out. Just wait. That's right. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show again. We really had fun, man. It's been a pleasure. I, I look forward to the next one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm, you're going to have to continue to school us in the films of uh, Great Britain. I think there's a running theme here. I am prepared to do that. Sweet. Yes, yes. You'll have to check out our Monty Python's episode of uh, Holy Grail and tell us if, if we did it justice without you. So, And... Thank you all the lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. We invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you. So subscribe, rate, and review on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow us at Twitter at at movie underscore retro and emails at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com. Let us know what you think. Is there ever a wrong time to use a catapult? Settle the argument. Producing and providing this podcast is fun but not free, so we invite you to support the show at Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Retro Movie Roundtable. Any contributions are much appreciated and will go towards making the show better for you, the listeners. As always, thank you for listening. Be good to each other and watch more movies. Chad? I lost. I lost? Wait a second. I'm not supposed to lose. Let me see the script. <laughs>